You're listening to Alumni Allowed, a new podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career and the advice they would give current students. This series is sponsored by the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development at the Graduate Center. I'm Abby, a PhD candidate in educational psychology at the Graduate Center. I work in our Office of Career Planning and Professional Development, and I interviewed Jeff for this episode. Today I have on a call with me Jeff Diamond. He got his history PhD at the Graduate Center, and now he is senior writer and editor at the Pew Research Center in Washington, D.C. So why don't you start off by telling us what it's like working at the Pew Research Center? I really love working at the Pew Research Center. Uh, It's a place that I had known about before I got to the Graduate Center, and I was a very big fan of their work. I had been a newspaper reporter before that, and I used to sometimes write about their studies. Mm -hmm. I always thought they'd be a great, you know, I would really like to write studies like that and to do the type of work that they do. It's uh, it's a full-time job, and my main goals are on Pew's religion team, and that basically entails working to write and edit Pew's religion reports. And did your, so your mainly, your content is related to religion. Did that relate to your uh, dissertation research? Yes, it did. Um, My research when I was at the Grad Center was on African-American Muslim history from 1975 to 2000. And I actually had gotten into that topic or had become interested in that topic while I was a journalist. I was a newspaper reporter for 15 years before I to grad school, and for the last seven or eight of those years was as the religious affairs reporter for the Newark Star-Ledger, the, the biggest newspaper in New Jersey. And while doing that, I, I covered uh, religious communities across the state, and there was some national coverage, too, involving Catholics and Jews and Muslims and Protestants, mainly. And in my final couple of years there, I became very interested in, in, in African-American Muslims as a topic to write about. And... In 2008, about a year after I had been working on this project, my newspaper started to have some financial problems. So the project that I was working on seemed to lose some momentum. Uh, a lot of people left. And, and my goal had always been to write, to write more in-depth stories as I got better and older. And, and at the newspaper, the appetite for long stories was diminishing. And so the type of work that I'd always wanted to do, it seemed like the opportunities were, were not coming up for that. And some people said, after I talked to them about my work, they said, oh, maybe you should turn that into a dissertation. Mm. Um, and I didn't know very much about the academic culture or, or much about dissertations at all, actually. But I talked to a lot of people, many of them at the grad center, many of them elsewhere from pre- earlier in my life. And I got into the history program, which I was very excited about because I, I worked with Clar- mostly with Clarence Taylor, who's at Baruch, but uh, he's a historian there, but also several other people. And when I had a certain idea about what the what my dissertation was going to be when I was applying. And like, I guess about 95% of other ad- doctoral students who wound up changing, mm-hmm. although the, the general topic was, was the same, but I expanded it rather broadly mm-hmm. among African-American Muslims. Great. Okay. Um, and so you've really identified yourself as a content expert then for in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I'm someone who, uh, who writes reports and the fact that I'm, you know, um, somewhat of an expert in the in in Muslim American history. 
has been helpful from time to time. But by and large, to be honest, at Pew, it's less my specific uh, specialty that's important and more that I'm able to write and edit and, you know, be part of a team like that. On that note, why don't you share with us some of those really valuable skills that you got in graduate school that you're actually using at this type of job? Okay. I think that one of the important skills that I got at graduate school was, I guess I learned a, a new way of thinking and taking methodology seriously and just being able to absorb arguments in a way that as a journalist, you just didn't always have time to do. I was, like I said, I was a newspaper reporter for, for more than a decade. And at graduate school, I felt like, you know, I learned about a lot of preconceptions that I had about important topics that I hadn't even realized that I had. And when you write for a place like Pew, it's important that you not fall into different fallacies or tropes that maybe a lot of journalists often fall into. And, you know, it's important not just to realize that you're making those mistakes, but how, you know, I gained, I think I gained a lot of expertise while I was at Graduate Center in trying to write in a way that would avoid those fallacies and tropes. I don't want to say that like when I was a reporter or the journalist in general, don't take these things seriously. Most of my former colleagues in journalism still do, but it seems like it's a higher concern at Pew in some ways. And being in graduate school definitely made me better at that. And the other thing that I learned in graduate school, which again, I had, I, I had done it as a reporter, but in graduate school, I think I got better at it, is that I learned how to communicate complex ideas in ways that are understandable to a broader audience. Now, again, this is something that maybe not everybody takes seriously at graduate school. And that's one of the reasons academics are sometimes criticized for not communicating in a way that's clear enough for a broader audience. But And that's something that I always took pride in or tried very hard to do when I was a reporter before graduate school. But I definitely got a lot better at it in graduate school in ways that, that helped me with Pew because uh, Pew kind of considers itself as, you know, somewhat of a fusion between academic and journalistic styles. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to be able to communicate important ideas to a broad audience, but with sort of an academic rigor to it, you know, that will be taken seriously by scholars before we do a survey or study, in addition to thinking of the most compelling topics to write about or or to ask survey questions on or to do demographic works on, we we typically, we often convene a group of scholars who know the topics in the field and, and we want them to take the work seriously after, you know, once it's out. One of our goals is often to be you know, a resource for not only journalists, but also for, for academics as well. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple things in what you were just saying I was taking notes on. So how did you practice that really important skill of communicating maybe a complex topic or the, your data from your research or um, sure. you know, so to the broader audience? When I, got to, when I got to graduate school, one of the things that surprised me was how, how partisan things seemed to be, how political, even within within the field, I don't mean my, I don't mean among my other students or like, you know, in, in, you know, CUNY politics or anything. I just mean how within the discipline, whatever discipline it was, people felt very strongly and there wasn't as much, there often, too often, I think, there wasn't as much effort to write in a neutral way. In fact, sometimes if writing a neutral way is criticized and mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to make your arguments, right? And, um, and, and, you, you can make your argument while also writing in a way that various sides of the topic will, will, will find acceptable. You can also write your, your argument in a way that makes you an advocate. And I, I, I learned over time that there are places for both of those and other types of, of, of desires and skill sets in graduate school. My own desire was to always be able was to present my research not as an advocate, but more 
someone as a presenter of information that people on various sides of whatever political spectrum I was writing about would take seriously and view as fair. Mm-hmm. And my, my particular topic involved Muslims in America, which is a particularly, uh, contra- you know, which is often a controversial topic. And uh, very often when you read scholars in the field who I respect very much and who I learned a lot from, very often you could you can kind of tell what their political uh, background is by, you know, the third page of third page of whatever it is that, that you're reading. That's just the way it is in academia. But having come from a journalistic background that kind of pride, uh, you know, neutrality and had aspirations of objectivity, I've had a lot of opportunities to kind of hone that skill because I always wanted to stay on the right side of what I thought that was. And so just in writing papers and things like that, I came to see that, you know, the professors who themselves may have been considered themselves advocates for certain positions still were, were pretty complimentary of my work and respected my, my approach. Great, great. And so can you tell us some more details about, you, you mentioned a couple things that what Pew does in general, you know, surveys and choosing different topics that they want to get opinions on. What do you specifically do in your position? Maybe what is a day-to-day like? So the day-to-day at Pew is a combination. Basically, we have a rolling schedule of reports that we release. And these reports tend to take, you know, maybe between nine months and 18 months to produce. So I've only been there for about 14 months. So, uh, you know, I've worked on maybe four or five of these. And it's a very collaborative effort in ways. It's it's like a typical team environment in ways that I haven't truly worked on before. Academia, obviously, is can be somewhat of a solitary existence. I mean, you obviously work with your advisors, but you can, you know, people can go weeks or months without talking to, to advisors or people on their committee, and, and that's considered normal, and that's fine. That's just, that's kind of what you sign up for. When I was a reporter, that is also somewhat of a, I mean, it's not a solitary existence. You go to a newsroom every day, and then there are, you know, hundreds of people there. Um, but, you know, you're kind of working on what you're working on by yourself. You care more about it than anybody else does. It's your story. And then later on, there are editors involved photographers and graphics people. But at Pew, everything is a team effort from the very beginning. So there are people there who have PhDs or masters who are experts in survey methodology, which, I, which I'm not. So, you know, I, when I first went to meetings, when I was new there, I would ask, you know, I, I would suggest questions that could be asked in surveys, and I, w- I would hear a dozen valid reasons why the question that I came up with was not a valid question. You know, it's been asked before, it didn't work right, people don't, people don't understand it, it has to be translated. People won't hear it the way you think it were. That word doesn't mean what you think it means to other people. Um, so there are people who are specialists in that, who've been doing this for years or, or who, you know, who, who know about this. Uh, there are people who work with companies in the field who maybe do international, who do international studies. And we, we subcontract, you know, these, these companies around the world to do this if we're doing an international survey. There are people who work in graphics. There are people who only do research and only do data analysis. And then there are people like me who are brought in Whose, whose goal is to present the information in a way that can be compelling and understandable to, to the masses. Now, uh, while some people focus on research, other people like me, our main goal is the writing and editing to present the information. Most of the time I spend working on the mid-sized or longer reports that Pew puts out on religion, mm-hmm. um, either on, on, on the chapter, you know, we might put out a report that's four or five chapters or, or maybe eight or nine chapters long, and so I'll be working on chapters on a particular day or what we call the overview at the beginning, which this can entail a reading up on a topic to make sure that we can present it with, you know, a high level of um, 
so I could write with more authority or, you know, reading on a topic, reading journal articles. Uh, my graduate school alumni access has been extremely helpful <laughs> for okay. being able to read things from different, uh, you know, from different journals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, right now I'm work- we're working on a study without going into details about it because it's not going to be coming out till 2018. But yeah. we're working on a study and I have been spending an hour or two every day for the last week and for the next following week talking to professors in the field, asking them for input on what the best question would be to ask in the survey, telling them my understanding of it, seeing if there are any flaws with that, seeing if they have any ideas of their own they'd like to contribute. We have what are called advisory panels where we include professors to come to Pew or to talk with us on the phone every now and then just to make sure we're on, on the, to help ensure that we're on the right track with what we're doing. So I'll spend some time doing that. I also spent some time working on what we call fact tank posts. So it's basically a blog that the Pew Research Center does, um, 600, 700 word articles that uh, you know, are supposed to illuminate certain data points from our, from our reports that we think if we do these fact tank posts, you know, we can give more attention to, a, to something interesting and important that might otherwise stay buried in like a, you know, a 20 or 50 or 150 page report. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's just another way to get the information out there. Also, we also have, you know, on a typical day, in a typical week, there may be two or three gatherings where outside experts in a particular field come in to talk and, you know, either about religion or survey methodology in general or politics or whatever it is. And it's a good way. It's almost like a continuing education thing where you know, it, it really feels like a university environment in some ways. It feels like a combination of a, of a newsroom and a university environment in ways that having come from those two backgrounds, I, I find very um very stimulating and enjoyable. Yeah, I think that's a great way of, that you just uh, described it right there. I'm really getting a good picture of what it's like to work there. Good, good. So uh, how did you get this job? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, tell good us question. Right. <laughs> um, I will tell you how I got it. So um, when I was, when I, I, I worked as a reporter for, uh, for a long time before this. And when I was a reporter, when Pew came out with a study, it was very often worth writing about from my, you know, from, from what I was writing for the newspaper I was writing for. Mm-hmm. And when I read Pew's reports, I was very impressed with the rigor and the context and the writing. And, and you know, I felt like I learned from these reports. It felt like reading Pew reports always seemed like time well spent. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be really interesting to write for them one day. And I started, you know, I knew someone who worked at Pew after when I was a reporter. Uh, he'd been a reporter, too, at the time. And I contacted him midway through, uh, kind of around right after my orals, I think it was, and right, maybe it was before my orals. And I just told him I was interested in having a, you know, an informational interview or something. And, and I, I met with him down in D.C. and it, was, it went very well. And and I just, you know, stayed in touch with him over the years. And to make, you know, because having a journalism and an academic background were, were something that was valuable. And I did do something actually that I think helped my chances. Uh, I signed up to audit a course at Pew on uh, quantitative data analysis that was taught by Laird Bergad uh, and basically taught me um, a data analytics program called SPSS, was used at Pew. I think they kind of viewed it as, as an additional reason that I could, I'd be a good fit there. I was a little bit older, you know, so I, I maybe was less willing to go live anywhere where a job came open. I'm married with two kids. It wasn't up as easy to up and leave and go anywhere. So this is something that I took seriously and and so I guess that's kind of how I got the job. Okay, so 
First of all, uh, I really like that you said you did a, an information or interview with an old colleague. So yes. is that something you would really recommend? Did it really give you a good sense of what it was like to work there? I highly recommend doing things like that. Uh, you yeah. know, when I was a reporter back in the day when, <laughs> not to date myself, but my friends and I, when we were out of college, something we would do was we wouldn't just wait for job openings to come up. If there was a place you wanted to work, we would contact the people there under the guise of just wanting to hear more about the place and see if it would be a good fit. And, and we would always throw in the end, oh, if we're in town, oh, if I'm in town, I'd love to come meet you sometime, knowing full well that we were going to, you know, tend to be in town <laughs> for something up. else and just contact the guy. Yeah, you know, and, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, you know, to be in town for this or that in uh, January 22nd. Uh, can I stop by, you know? And, and then after he says yes, you buy your plane ticket or the <laughs> train ticket, whatever it is, right? And so, might have, I think I think that's what I did for this too. Um, although I might have actually had a valid reason to be in DC. I mean, I, I was coming to DC for research as well, so I, I actually may have had a valid reason to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I definitely recommend that. I think it's especially, you know, it, I, I don't know how how applicable this will be to everybody who who's listening to this, but you know, there's definitely value when you think about your path in trying to combine. If you came to grad school and you did have a career that 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 you like. And, and that you can see using in a, in a different way after you graduate in keeping contacts with those people and thinking of, of ways that you might be able to turn that into something, mm -hmm. you know, outside of academia after, after you graduate. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of what I did. And um, then, I, you know, I added something to it by, by taking the quantitative analysis course methodology. Yeah. Um, and so that the was, SPSS course. And that was my next question. So um, is SPSS generally what, Pew Research Center uses there, or are they also using R, or I don't know, Stata, or whatever. Stata. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They use they use R and Stata, I think. They and SPSS, I think. I don't think it does as many things that R as R mm -hmm. and Stata do. Mm -hmm. um, good. But, so a lot of our students will be interested in knowing that what the what the good software to know is. Now, a lot of people do. You know, people who are strictly researchers, it's kind of expected. I think it's expected mm -hmm. that you'll be familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, those are definitely the things. And, you know, uh, I think for someone like me, for, you know, who did, who did qualitative, really qualitative research. Right, a humanities literature, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just dipping your toe into this is really the big step. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people are scared off by the math that's involved mm -hmm. or not that, you tip it, not that you truly do math. I mean, the, the program does the math for you. But some people aren't very comfortable with numbers and kind of getting past that fear is, you know, it, it'll probably help you in whatever you do, I think, because if you work in a field where people aren't good with numbers and you are good with numbers or comfortable around them, I think it's always an advantage. So, yeah, it, it's it's good it's it's good to know pro it's good to take steps and to kind of plan ahead. Nobody told me I had to do this. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it would. I kind of had the it was one of the paths I was considering, and I thought it was reasonable given my background, and I thought I thought I thought it would help me, so I did it. Great. So I'm curious, so what other jobs were you going for when you graduated or what what else did you apply to? What were you looking into? So uh, I was interested um, in, you know, during my fellowship, I was a teacher. I was, you know, I was teaching mm -hmm. history at Lehman College and then I as part of my enhanced chancellor fellowship. And then I got the idea someone put it in my head, you know, you should try to become a journalism professor, too. So I started teaching journalism classes at Rutgers Newark, which mm -hmm. I really enjoyed very much. Um, I applied for some journalism professorships, and, and I was going to apply for 
religious studies and history and you know professor jobs and and I actually got the my interview at Pew was ten days before I defended my dissertation, so it all kind of I didn't I wasn't on the job market for a particularly long time. Wow. I started I started applying for journalism professors a journalism professorships before which tend not to mandate that you have a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tend I, I applied for a few of those in the year before I got the job at Pew. But, uh, you know, I, I had wanted to finish I had wanted to finish the PhD. So uh, I, I never actually I guess I never really applied for that many um, uh, tenure track positions in my specialty field. I got I was very fortunate. Great. Um, what did you find was the either attitude or atmosphere or how did your advisor or your department look at your you wanting or you taking a job outside academia or did it even matter? Did you use them as a reference? Um, funny you ask that. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit uneasy about getting people to be a, uh, getting my advisors to be a reference for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very good relationship with my advisors, but I, I guess and I think they would have helped. I, I know they would have helped me. I guess maybe I did. I did mention it to one or two of them uh, b- before it happened. I didn't want, you know, your advisors are spending time helping you develop a dissertation with the idea that you're going to be part of the next generation of scholars, mm-hmm. which I did think I was going to be, and I still, I do plan, I still plan to turn my dissertation into a couple of books. You know, the job at Pew is not so all-consuming that I won't have time at night to do that. I, I still, I'm still, I'm working on a proposal right now, in fact. Okay, um, but I, I was wary about. I was definitely wary of that. You know, it's funny in academia, there is definitely an there's an understanding now that, you know, you have to prepare people for, for the possibility that they won't get a tenure track job, right? And that there are, you know, this is spoken of openly mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's kind of an evolving process where professors are getting more comfortable. And there's these are still these professors are very busy people. They have a lot of demands on their time. And I didn't think it was important to, you know, go into their office as like, you know, a nervous wreck over, um, over job possibilities. Uh, I, I just, you know, didn't think that was something that I was able to work out with other people. Had I needed them, I would have. Okay. I happened to have other contacts from, I mean, there were people in academia who were not my advisors, who I had come to know over time who were who wrote recommendations for me for journalism jobs. They tended to be journalism professors at other places. Uh, I was I was kind of respectful of what I viewed as the process, I guess. Um, and I didn't want to burden them with getting me, you know, helping me get a job outside their field of expertise or outside of academia. I'm not saying that that works for everybody. I'm not saying that I, that, that, that was a necessary hesitancy on my part. Um, I think they, pro- I think I had a good enough relationship with them that they would have been fine with it. I just, um, I didn't actually need to. So I, I didn't, I didn't really go down that path. Um, they were very nice when they heard about the job I got. I, I'm still in touch with all of them, frankly. Great. You, uh, well, and they fact, should I have consulted one of them. I, I kind of brought up, I had invited to, uh, I had him invited to be on our advisory council for a study we did on Muslims in America. And uh-huh. I just talked to one of them today about another study that we're trying to do. So I definitely have maintained my relationships with them. Right. And so it's, it also sounds like you do do a lot of interactions and um, networking with, with academics still because I you do. need to and I really love set that. these studies up. Yeah. One of my, it's something about the job that I love. I also love 
you know, frankly, like getting to read journal articles uh, makes me feel like I'm in meaner makes me feel like I'm in meaner reads again. You know, uh, um, you know, calling up JSTOR or Project Muse yeah. or whatever it is, whatever we're able to access as alumni on the uh, uh -huh. there. It's been extremely helpful to me, and uh, so I, that's something that I feel very fortunate for uh, that I'm that I'm able to keep doing that because that was because I really enjoyed the research very much. Yeah. And so what advice do you have for current students who want to pursue research careers outside of the academy? Um, what, what kinds of things should they be doing now? I think it's important to not wait until you have defended your dissertation or when someone, you know, because people tend to apply for job, hit the job market in academia when they're nearly done with their dissertation or obviously afterwards. I think that, that that might be a little bit too late, ideally, to start the to, to start thinking about the process mm -hmm. seriously. You know, in academia, the job comes up that's available. You know, the jobs that you apply for, the jobs that are available when you're on the job market, right? Mm -hmm. So, but for this type of approach, I think it's important to maybe identify a number of places that you think you'd want to work at. Maybe you know, midway through, maybe when as you're about to finish up your coursework or, or something, and still have a you know two or three years and to start trying to hone your to try to make yourself a, a good applicant for that place i think it's important to focus on being able to write for non-academic audiences almost all of these research places research institutions care very much about how they connect how their how their work connect with a broader audience not just in academia so again you have to kind of like and a lot of i, I personally i think that a lot of academics i worked with really defied the stereotype Mm -hmm. Academics only being able to write for academics. I think I, I worked with a lot of very good writers. Uh, you know, in my program, I had this, I had this sense when I got to the program that having been a journalist for 15 years, I was going to be, you know, the best writer in, the, in my in my cohort. And there were a lot of excellent writers in in, in my cohort. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think that's that head of heavy a lift for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people who take this seriously, and I think I think good writing is stressed more now maybe than it used to be a very long time ago in academia. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think there's value in 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 uh, trying to to write for broader audiences. You know, the places like the Conversation. There are all sorts of blogs that that people can write for. Now, it used to be that that I don't know. This is changing to some degree. It used to be that you were always advised not to blog or to do that. You were supposed to devote all of your attention to scholarly journals. And there 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 still are people who believe that. Um, and I'm I'm certainly in no position to say what's, what's the best for anybody to do or not. But uh, that's certainly a tension. Like, you know, should you spend all your should you spend all your time on, on writing for scholarly journals or should you write for um, for blogs that are, you know, maybe geared for a different audience? Uh, there's probably some combination there that, that that's probably good. But if, if you're interested in working for some of these institutions, it would seem to me that it's important to to have the, a demonstrated ability to connect to a broader audience. Perfect. Yeah. To say that yeah, I would also say that it, it's valuable to make, you know, try to make these connections and to try to do. I, when I was a young reporter, going on all these job interviews, you know, my friends and I would call them quote-unquote interviews. Um, I said, oh yeah, we have a quote, I have a quote-unquote interview with the Tampa Bay, the uh, Tampa Tribune, or I have a quote-unquote interview with the Palm Beach Post, and that would basically our shorthand for saying the interview that we kind of set up ourselves, an informational type interview. Mm -hmm. It's just a way to be more than a name on a job app, you know, to be more than just a resume. It, it, it's a personal connection you're making with people. And it's showing them that you're interested, you know, uh, without being desperate. Um, you know, you have to make a good case. 
to learn about the place well, of course. And when you go there, you have to obviously demonstrate that you really care about it and want to work there, which is probably true. You're not really you're not really lying to them because you wouldn't take the time to do it unless you actually cared about it. I don't think. My, my desire to work at Pew was a pretty strong one that had been done for a long time, so it was an easy case for me to make. Um, but there's so much information about these places out there, and frankly, they like the, you know, a lot of these places like the idea of, of good writers who care about these topics that they care about. So um, mm -hmm. taking the time to do those things, to make the contacts and to, to focus on, on your writing for these audiences, I think is valuable. Wow, yeah, that's great advice, great. Is there anything else that you can think of that you might want to share um, before we wrap up that you about your career experience or some advice? I think I would say that I had a very positive experience at the grad center. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that uh, the professors there lived up to their excellent reputation for depth and breadth and, and, and research and knowledge of historiography and and they were very they were very easy to work with. I found um, they were accessible. And I, I had a very, I feel my, I count myself very fortunate to have had the experience with the grad center and, and really with all of them. Great. Great. Okay. Uh, so if that's everything, we can wrap it up. And I want to thank you again okay. for joining me tonight on the call. And um, yeah, so th thanks so much for telling us about your experience. Thanks to Jeff for talking to us about his work at Pew Research Center. To learn more about your own career possibilities after graduate school, you should check out our calendar events on our website at cuny.is careerplan, or follow us on Twitter at careerplangc, where we give you the latest updates on our programming. Thanks so much for listening.